What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. And boy, were we entertained last night to set the table. We're recording after game one of the NBA Finals, and you could just hear it in my voice, bro. Like, we'll we'll get into the full scope of everything. (laughs) I'm here, James Jackson, with my guy, Kyle Sirik. It's a two-man operation today, but it it don't matter because... This, don't matter yo this show damn near wrote itself the script damn near wrote itself like we we got one thing to talk about and we're gonna hit it on the nose shout out to jake gallon stat matt robinson who couldn't be here with us today but we, we got to keep it going kyle man you're fresh off of surgery before we get anything just give us a quick update how you feeling how, let, let the fans know what your timetable of a, of a healthy recovery is yeah i'm feeling better so the surgery was last thursday mm-hmm. looking at what's today wednesday so wednesday. six days now tough couple days but today was actually the first day i woke up and was not in pain so there we go sleeping's a little tough but you know we're doing well i think the surgery went well the worst part about it is wearing this sling for the next four weeks i know i know yeah but we'll get through it but you james you are on vacation my man i'm kind of jealous i'm getting surgery you're going down to disney what's up with that we're we're writing from florida with love on this one man (laughs) had had to bring it out but and i was i was always gonna ask i was always gonna tell y'all like hey i'm gonna take the week off i'm gonna enjoy my vacation and then I saw that performance last night and I was in the group chat like, nah, I'm, I'm going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there to get my stuff off. I got a week down here. I could take one day off uh, yes, to, to talk about my man. But but you, you and Giannis are built different because you guys are both coming off of injuries that I didn't expect to see y'all the next game. <laughs> ain't no low management here. Ain't no, ain't no low management here. But we can get obviously right into it. No facts straight at you. The only fact you need to know is in game one of the 2021 NBA Finals, the Suns took home game one, 118 to 105, uh, behind a great performance by Chris Paul, 32 and nine assists. Also got help from Devin Booker, 27 and six. DeAndre Ayton, 22 and 19. Even Mikel Bridges stepped up 40, 14 points. Uh, just, just an overall balanced scoring from the Suns. And, and before we get into the facts, man, let's just break down game one. Let's just get into it and, and your, your thoughts and your takeaways from an NBA Finals that has a brand new cast all over the place. There's only yes, one sir. person on either team who has Finals experience, and that's Jay Crowder. So a, a, a new company, and I got to know, like, what, how did it look to you? What's your takeaways from game one? Well, first of all, I'm just happy that the game was fun to watch, man. Because going into it, I tweeted this like, Suns Bucks, I was really not that excited for. I saw your tweet. I saw, yeah, I saw your I tweet. Mean, that. I was not that. I mean, the casual NBA fans probably aren't either. I mean, on paper, this isn't what you draw up at the end of the year. I think we've gotten a little too, you know, relaxed with having LeBron in there every year, and it makes <laughs> it a lot more entertaining. Fast. But hey, dude, especially the first half of that game last night was really entertaining. Some of my takeaways were one, Giannis is not as injured as they said he was. No. He looked great. He stepped on the floor. He was instantly the most athletic player on the floor. He bodied Aiton, I saw. He, we saw the chase down block, all that. But it's the Suns, man. Cam Johnson looked great off the bench. Yeah, again. And that's been their formula in a way that anytime you get productive minutes out of Cam Johnson, the Suns are going to win that game. Obviously not the focal point of that team, but he looked great. Mikael Bridges got involved. Aiton looked great. Chris Paul did his thing. Devin Booker didn't even have a big game, and they kind of cruised to that victory at the end. The Suns are looking really dominant to me. Um, what, what do you think? I got something else I want to say, but I want to save it. What do you think about last night? My, my, my first takeaway, my biggest takeaway is I'm so happy that the Suns didn't allow this series to creep up on them. Like, grab this series by the horn. I low-key, yep. coming into this series, thought game one was the most important, was going to be the most important game of the series. Like, I know down the road we'll get a decisive game five and we may get game six and game seven. I get all that. 
mm-hmm. but for two teams who have never been here, like 99.9% of the players and coaches have never been in this moment. You yep. gotta, you gotta seize momentum. And y'all, you know, everyone on the show, everyone who's listening to us knows how much I value momentum in the playoffs. You and gotta set the tone. Set yes, the sir. tone. Set the tone and, and grab it by the horns. And the Suns did that from the jump, from from tip off. It was the Suns game, and. I noticed a switch in tempo, really, of Chris Paul, too, where he, he didn't score in the first quarter, you know, mm-hmm. had a couple of good passes. I think he had, like, three assists at the end of the first quarter. And I think he wanted Devin Booker to be the tone center on offense for the Suns. And then realized that I'm the veteran of this team. This team goes as I go. So he dropped the pass-first mantra and just went and to, got to his spots and get nope. buckets. And he kind of said at the end of the game, that he didn't score in the first quarter, not just because like, he was taking bad shots or nothing was there. Shots just weren't falling, but yep. he kept with it. And then the Suns started going as Chris Paul went. They started riding his momentum instead of the other way around. And I think when you just have an elder statesman, a, a guy who's you know maybe one of the best leaders the game has ever seen, you that allows you to get going. And then everything kind of fell into place after that. Once Chris Paul set the tone at the top, everyone knew where to fall in line after that. And that's yeah. what I think. That's the the motto. I think the Suns have to continue to go to this series. Like Monty Williams has to look at Chris Paul and say, like, you have to do that from game one to game seven. Like, like, and Booker will get his, Mikel will get his, DA will get his. But you have to make sure you set the tone. And I think that's where that's you know, the Suns are going to win right then and there. And that was a good adjustment too. I think Van Gundy said it, and I saw it a little bit myself. Is that the Bucks were playing the passing lanes? Mm-hmm. Like there were times. Like there was the one possession where Chris Paul got back-to-back passes deflected mm-hmm. and someone was like I don't think we've ever seen that in Chris Paul's life and they they were playing the passing lanes they were like go drive do your thing well Chris Paul started hitting mid-range shots and that was that at mm-hmm. that point one thing that I wanted to save and you mentioned Chris Paul so I'll go into it now is I think this series they don't play the same position but Chris Paul versus Middleton could be the deciding factor of this series okay right you know, I mean, I think Giannis gives you a little bit more of an edge than Devin Booker does if we want to talk ones. Mm-hmm. And then the supporting cast, I go to the Suns. But you go Middleton versus Chris Paul. And if Chris Paul can have 30-point games and Middleton's going to play well, but he's he's bound to have a bad game, first of all. But if he doesn't, if he can't get these 35-point games and Chris Paul's going to keep doing this, I think that is the matchup to look at. Yeah, and, and, and Chris, we know what these teams give you on defense, right? Right, right, right. They're pretty solid defensive teams. Nothing's going to stand out. Maybe that Giannis block stood out, but they're not doing anything special there. They're just playing good team basketball. Someone's going to win on the offensive end, and that could be a matchup. It's early, but I just want to throw it out there. That matchup could really decide this series. I, I like where your head's at because when you say that, let, let's define it. When you say that matchup, people are, are listening to this, uh, Chris Paul and, and, and Chris Middleton aren't going to match up with each other on the floor. I don't mm-hmm. think you're talking about the floor matchup. The matchup the on paper, play. exactly. Like Giannis and Devin Booker are both known on their respective teams as the best score, the number one score. And then Chris Paul and Chris Middleton come in as number two. And I think you're right. That That's what that's what's going to tip the scales. That's the X factor right there. If Chris Middleton gets the better of Chris Paul on paper, the Bucks probably have the edge and probably win. If Chris Paul does, the Suns probably have the edge and win. And yep. you don't have to look any further than in game one, Chris Middleton has 20, uh, a light 29, but is, you know, a, a minus what a minus 11 on the floor. Chris Paul has 32 and nine, but is a plus 17 on the floor. So he yep. won that matchup on paper. If that's the other way around, the Bucks might see themselves win game one. Um, 
So I, I really like where your head's at right now. And it was, so this came from, because I said this in the second quarter, I was writing down my notes. It's under, it's, it's funny actually, it's under my quarter two notes. Because uh-huh. what happened is you saw Middleton really come out the gates a little hot mm-hmm. and the Bucks started well, very well. Chris Paul, as you said, didn't have a field goal in the first quarter. Well, then it flipped on his head. In the second quarter, the Suns made this big surge all behind Chris Paul. And then towards the end of the second quarter, you saw Chris and Middleton, or I said Chris, that is his first name as well. Chris yeah. Paul and Chris Middleton trading buckets yeah. and it was even and you just look at these little pockets of the game and those two players were really defining what was going on for at least that first half mm-hmm. and as you said they really are the number twos i give the edge to Giannis with the ones and i give the edge to the Suns with the rest of the supporting mm-hmm. cast so we could look at a little you know who is the x factor here and two guys that are very capable of being so for as good of a defensive team as the bucks are i was really wondering what they were trying to do defensively because uh-huh. Bud, Bud has to look at what's going on on the floor, and you cannot anymore let Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis switch on to Chris Paul one of them. Portis got killed. None of them. Portis they, got killed. They, he gave him all a bucket. Kyle gave oh him all a bucket. God, he, he got bro. he got Brooke Lopez on the AM one three. I'm watching this last night. Me and my best friend are down here in Atlanta, Orlando. I'm watching this game last night. And I watched Chris Paul get a switch on to Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton's not the slowest dude on the floor. Like he probably, no. probably thinking like he might be able to handle him. And Pat Connaughton is so scared of getting beat off the dribble that he's backpedaling. And Chris Paul is walking him down to 17 feet and then just stops and pops one bingo. And I'm looking at, and I was almost insulted. Like, you know who that is that you're guarding. And you have to be okay with getting beat off the dribble and let your help defense come behind, which by the way, the Bucs are one of the best defensive teams in rotation. So mm-hmm. you have to allow your defense to play behind you. But you absolutely cannot let Chris Paul walk you down to 17 feet and pull up for mid-range when he's getting hot. You just, you can't do it. And so I'm wondering what the defensive identity for the Bucs is here. Like, what what are you trying to do? I know you don't have a lot yeah. of game tape on the Suns. You've only you've played them once or twice in this regular season, probably not with a full roster the way this NBA season was shaking out. But right. like, when you have guys like Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker and Giannis Antetokounmpo, why are your one-on-one matchups with Chris Paul, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, and Pat Connaughton? What, how does that happen? You yeah, cannot and- allow that to happen if you're the Bucks. Because it's gonna it, be, it's going to be barbecue chicken all day long if it happens. Yep. And yeah. I'm all with you. And dude, they're soft switches. These aren't mm-hmm. hard screens. These are like pass offs because you're a little tired and pick mm-hmm. up. Like when I get a little tired and pick up, I see a screen's coming. I'm not even dealing with it. Like you take them switch. Like, that's, that's like crazy. what they're doing. And you can't do that in NBA level. Shout out our man Brainiac NBA on Instagram. He put mm-hmm. up a nice little, nice little post about this on these soft switches. Go check it out if you haven't. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, this is the NBA Finals. First of all, the Bucks go pretty deep in their rotation. If you're tired at this point, which I don't think they are. I think it's just a horrible game plan. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. But I, I'm not sure Coach Bud is good enough, and he showed it last night, to make these in-game adjustments. Like, I don't even think he realized this until last night. Like, what was happening what was with happening? these switches? It almost it was, looked, it almost there was looked, a point. Real, real quick, there was a point where this was damn near happening every other possession. Yes, yeah, yeah, so and, and this is Chris Paul. Uh, like, you, got, you want to see someone who can break down a defense? Oh, okay. Well, give him the mismatch, and you're at a disadvantage. It, like, it's stupid, man. It almost looked like the Bucs didn't realize how deep into the playoffs they were. Because when you're <laughs> the number one, number two, number three seed, and you're going through the first two rounds, you're always the... Uh, you're, you're always the, the favorite. You're always playing a lesser team. So game one can be a feel-out game. Let me see what they do. Let me see what they give us. We'll make the adjustments down the road. We're in the finals now. 
You you can't yeah. you cannot leave any team with a runway. You can't allow allow them to get hot, thinking we'll adjust to it down the road. Because you might not ever get that. You might not ever get that chance to set the record straight. Um, and before we move on, real quick, the last big takeaway I've noticed: we talked about how the Suns play great team ball. Look, look let's. The, the plus minuses, like uh, the, the splits on the floor is all you need to see. Devin Booker, plus 18. DeAndre Ayton, plus 13. Chris Paul, plus 17. Jay Crowder, a plus 19. And Mikel Bridges, a plus 14. And then you have like Dario, plus four off the bench. Not many of their bench players had a good plus minus, but you, yeah, yeah, find it's me, the finals, man. Beat them beat beat with your starters. Five. Find yeah. me what game that any team starting five, all of them have double digit plus minus in the positive side and they lose. Like, I don't know if there's any game in NBA history that that, that is happening. Ain't gonna happen. It, Ain't that, gonna happen. that literally is just controlling all pace and tempo of the game and all of it going your way. So yeah. I say this to move right into this point. You guys saw that we dropped our series predictions, our finals predictions. Matt is the only outlier. He got bucks in seven. He can he can die on that hill. That's fine. <laughs> we all got the Suns in six or seven. Me and you personally, Kyle, got the Suns in six. So yes, I'm going to ask you and I'll answer it right afterwards. Because since we both have this, the question is like on a basketball level, like let's hold off on the stats right now. Why, why do you see the Suns taking this in six? What made you pick the Suns in six? First of all, I just want to say I'm a little mad at Matt. I was down to just be a Suns podcast for the finals, like just he had to ride, do, he had to do that, just, didn't he? Just ride one side and Matt Matt in character. I thought he learned his lesson <laughs> the brand. past two years. I thought he learned his with lesson with the Browns and all that, right? No, I, I thought he learned his lesson with the Bucks last year. Yeah, but, but no, he didn't. We are we are here. He took the Bucks. I'm a little mad about that. But my reason for Suns in six, I actually. One, I think the Suns are the better team. So I knew I was going to have the Suns winning. You heard what I said about the Clippers before. They beat the Clippers. They've looked super dominant throughout the whole playoffs. The Bucks are a little shaky. I actually wanted to say Suns in seven. Um, but then you, you're like thinking to yourself and you're like, well, they have home court advantage. So they might pick off two straight. Well, Giannis is a little injured. Well, Chris Middleton's due to have at least one bad game. That's a free win. And I'm like, you know, I think it's Suns and Six. Mm -hmm. They're the better team. We we talked about the starters. That's where I was going to go. Starting five is better. You just put all the freaking stats out there of how they <laughs> outplayed him yesterday. So you can see it. And and this team is playing one, what I think has been the most motivated ball of the NBA playoffs, and two, the most complete sound game of the NBA playoffs. I can't say the same about the Bucks. I don't even think the Bucks are number two that we've seen in these entire playoffs. I think the Clippers were actually playing the most sound basketball when they got knocked out. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take the team that's, you know, the hottest home court advantage, isn't injured, all that. I was going to say Suns and seven, but I dropped it to six. Suns and six. I'm pretty much the same brainwave with you. Um, more cohesive unit on the Suns roster. Obviously, Chris Paul tips the scales for me. I was never going to pick the Bucks. Yeah, but of the reason The reason I go in six is... I damn near wanted to go in five. That's that's how much better I think the Suns are, are of a cohesive unit of a team than the Bucks are. Then I remember that the Bucks are the second or third, can't remember, best home team in the NBA this year. They're gonna go to Milwaukee and give you one, maybe two. Like I actually wouldn't be kind of I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns take the first two and Milwaukee just finds the, the strength just off the strength of them to take two games in Milwaukee and kind of even up the series. Um, but where I get the Suns in six, man, is coaching. Coaching yeah. on the sideline and coaching on the floor. 
mm-hmm. think Monty Williams gets a better better of butt. I don't think I really have to convince anybody of of why. Just the motivating tactic, the the in game adjustments. But when you can take a floor general and a coach like Chris Paul on the floor, and Monty doesn't have to do all of the coaching from the sideline, the Bucks don't have anyone like that. Like they have Drew Holiday who can be a floor general, but that's not your leader. Your leader is Giannis. And mm-hmm. when your leader is Chris Paul, someone, another coach who steps out on the floor, like a lot of these adjustments can happen on the fly where you don't need a timeout. You don't need to send somebody in. You don't need to stop the flow of the game to right a wrong. Chris Paul, the, the, the combination of Chris Paul and Monty Williams, I think gives such a leg up to the Suns that I, I got to say Suns and six, like it's more than X's and O's and, and game tape as to why. But then you see game one, you see a microcosm of like, just how much more balanced the Suns are, how even their scoring is. Like you got three players with the Suns who are who are between twenty and thirty points. Like you got you got two, and, and Giannis had twenty, barely scraped twenty. So mm-hmm. like I just think that the Suns get it that way. That's that's where I'm mostly leaning towards the Suns and six. I went back and forth between five and six, but I you know I couldn't do it. But that's a good segue for us to look at the series at a macro level, right? To look at the series as a whole. Because yes, next sir. time we come back next week, this this could all be said and done, man. This, <laughs> this could be wrapped up by the time we get back here next week. So let's look at this at a bigger scale. Look at the whole series going forward. And that's where you do your thing, man. So give us give us the facts on, on, on a broad scale of the series and we'll start to break it down. Yeah, so I mean, one, the Bucks are finding themselves as like a super underdog right now in the NBA Finals. Like what you really wouldn't think. But current odds on DraftKings are the Suns are minus 345. The Bucks are plus 270. For reference on this, they are now the Suns are now a larger favorite to win the finals than the Bucks were to beat the Heat in round one. <laughs> the Bucks swept the Heat in round one. And I easily, get it. They're easily up a, two. Easily and, two. And I get it. They're up a game, but they're also the one seed on their home court. Like this is how most playoff series start. Mm-hmm. So, so that was insane to me. Um, but you got to look at, right? They're the underdog now. And you need to scrap your way out. Obviously, this team beat you last night. You need to find your advantages where you can. I think one clear one is on the glass. Mm. Um, the Bucks are averaging the most rebounds per game in the playoffs this season. And the offensive glass is what's going to be key. They're second in the playoffs out of all the playoff teams, but it's only 0.1 offensive rebound behind the Celtics. Celtics played five playoff games. I don't even count them. I'm going to say the Bucks are the best offensive rebounding team in the postseason, and this is what they need. They're hmm. averaging 4.3 more of them than the Suns are. And for reference, if you look at the number one team in the regular season and the number 30 team, first and last in offensive rebounds, the difference is only 3.7. So the Bucks' advantage on the Suns on the offensive glass is huge. Mm-hmm. They need to extend these possessions because, quite frankly, they've been shooting horribly this year. Their field goal percentage, or this postseason, their field goal percentage is horrible. Out of all teams that made the second round, their three-point percentage is the worst out of those eight teams. Field goal percentage is sixth. So they need to extend these possessions. And and when Aiton's the only true defender on the other team, this can be a clear advantage that they need to crash. You, mm-hmm. you need to crash the glass, keep these possessions alive because the shots aren't falling for you. Yeah, I mean, it's simple as that. DeAndre Ayton damn near out-rebound the combination of, of Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis. And that just shouldn't happen. When, when you yeah. look at like the, who, the, who the Suns roll in and who the Bucks roll in, the Bucks get bigger off the bench. The Bucks kind of the Bucks bring in Bobby Portis. The Bucks bring in like a, like good solid rebounders. The Suns bring in Dario Saric, who who after what we saw last night may not even be brought in for the like at least game two. And who mm-hmm. knows depending on when he comes back from that knee injury. But when the Suns are bringing in 
wing players, 6'9", maybe 6'10 guys who are stretch fours at the best. The Bucks really have to find like that that rebounding identity that they that they should control. Like mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton is good for a breakout rebounding game. He did it in, in round one. He did it in round two. He did it in the conference finals. He's good for one of these 2020 games. And he yep. did it in game one. The first adjustment, maybe not the first adjustment, but one of the priority adjustments for the Bucks has to be DeAndre Ayton cannot out-rebound us. It, it, just, yes. it just should not happen. And you're right. It might have to be all hands on deck on the glass. Like I, I need... Yeah. I need everybody on there. One one thing, too, that I want to say is you could look at this and be like, oh, they did a great job this yesterday. Brooke Lopez had five offensive rebounds. Did, did he? Mm-hmm. Or did he just, you know, poke it up, you know, try to make the, the right, thing a, he got a, a hand on? Back, it. A tip back, right. You know that, how many that, times Brooke Lopez did that yesterday? Yeah. Like, no, he didn't have five offensive rebounds. He had maybe one, mm-hmm. right? He's not extending possessions. Maybe he won. He made one of those tip-ins, but he was fucking missing them all. Right. So, I mean, they need to control this part of the game. They're not going to outshoot the Suns. If you're going to try to outshoot the Suns, you know, from a standpoint level, like percentage-wise, it's not going to happen. You're going to lose this series. Mm -hmm. History has shown that. You guys are shooting horribly right now. The Suns are shooting one of the best in the entire playoffs. Mm -hmm. But if you can shoot 10, 15 more shots than the Suns because, you know, rebounds, offensive rebounds, or even drawing turnovers, if you can shoot 10 or 15 more shots, well, I like the cards a little more in that favor, so... For me, that's a huge adjustment that needs to be made. Um, stats are lying to you about it last night because that's not how the game went. So if they can control the glass, we'll see a lot a, a lot closer finishes. <laughs> last night was a close game, but it wasn't a close finish. No, nah, it wasn't. A, not a close finish. That's a good way to put yeah. it. It was a close game. It looked like a finals little, game. Yeah. At, at the end, we knew like it's, just, it's, it's time to put this thing to bed. Um, one thing I want to ask you is what I was noticing about the pace like, I, I know the Bucks aren't the fastest-paced team in the NBA. They slow it down when they need to. But the, mm-hmm. the full-court game aids the Bucks more than the full-court game does the Suns. And I noticed that for a little bit, especially in the second and third quarter, the Suns were running. Very high tempo, very high pace, which is not them. Any Chris Paul-led team slows this thing down. We operate in the half court most yep. of the time. But that should aid the Bucks. but the Bucs were, were never able to play their game in that half court. And I'm, and I'm wondering, straight question to you, if that continues, is that advantage Suns way or is that advantage Bucks way? Because they can, can they can get back to their game with that pace. So it's tough to say because, I mean, obviously the Bucks play at a much faster pace. They're fourth in this playoffs in pace. The Suns are near the bottom. But it's really only about a three possession difference, which over time does tell you a little more about the pace. But three possessions isn't, I mean... 18 seconds on the shot clock compared to 16. Right, right, right. right. Like, nothing much difference. I, I, I think the Bucks probably get a little more favor off of that, but I don't think the Suns necessarily are uncomfortable playing that kind of pace. Right, this game still broke down into its half court sets when it needed to. I was actually very surprised in the first half of how fast they were playing. But when you look at the scoreboard and you look at the stats, they really weren't getting like a crazy amount of shots up. Mm-hmm. They were just finding these little pockets like, let's push now, right, right, which right. is just good basketball. And I, hey, first of all, I'm grateful for it. I don't know if you know what the Barstool Overs Club is, but I joined it last night. Mm. I'm getting my jacket and everything. Uh-oh. So I was super hyped with the pace last night because the overhit. The but, overhit. Yeah, I, I, I don't think too much um, into that in terms of one team gets an advantage. Okay. I, I think if it does slow down the opposite way, right, and the Suns 
can, you know, slow down that pace, get into the Chris Paul half court led offense, like you say, then I'm looking to Van his Suns. Okay. 100%. But the Bucks are going to play fast. That's, that's what they do, that's right? What and they the do. Suns seem like they're capable of matching that. And, and that's almost kind of what it looked like to me. Like, like mm-hmm. the Bucks kind of set the tempo in the game. Like, the Bucks jumped out to this lead. The Suns weren't looking, you know, the, the most polished to start the first quarter. And then it looked like the Suns were like, all right, if, if y'all want to play this way, we can play this way. Like, if, if you want to run up and down, DeAndre Ayton, last night I noticed, is, is the perfect rim-running center for Chris Paul. He's like, great. Like, Bridges is great, too. DeAndre Jordan-esque, but, a, but more skilled around the basket, has a little bit more bag to him when he gets down low. But mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton knows, gobble up a rebound, get it to Chris Paul, and just run the center of the floor. If I run the center of the floor and keep my hands high, that man's going to find me. Like, like yep. the ball is going to hit me in my hands, and he's great finishing around the rim. So I, I, I guess the Suns kind of like, uh, adopted that higher pace play. Bridges too, man. And it, and it ate like it the way Bridges was filling those lanes last night was great. Like there was a, like I think it was like three straight fast breaks in the mm-hmm. world that all went through Bridges. He scored two of them, passed out for another one. Like that was nice. It's crazy to me, man. Like you're, you're from the same hometown I am. Went to the same high school I did. Mikel Bridges went literally five minutes down the road yeah. from us, and I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, and we we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, like. Mikel is really in the finals. Like, like our our dog is really in the finals and yeah. producing, like producing heavy. Just put, putting on for the six one zero. I had to get I, I, I had to get Mikel shout out wish, real quick. Putting on for the six one zero. I just wish it went full picture and we didn't trade him and he was playing for the Sixers mm. doing it. Like Great Valley to Nova, the Sixers would have been like nice, DeAndre. But. They told DeAndre Ayton's full story. Grew up in the or came over from. Um, from the islands, grew up in the Phoenix area, went to Arizona, now plays for the Suns. Like, yeah, we could have used Bridges. Full. And we drafted him. So yeah, that's that, that that's, that's all for all. <laughs> that's a lesson y'all learn. Yeah, speaking yes, of lessons y'all learn, I think I think the Bucks can take some lessons from the Suns' losses in this postseason. And that's where they really gotta kind of right the ship. And that's I'm like thinking now the theme of this podcast is like, man, how can the Bucks get it back right? Because they it looks like they just lost the momentum. Now it looks like the Suns series to lose. So what what Bucks, what lessons can the Bucks take from the Suns' losses and apply it now to help them win this finals? That, that's yeah. that's where they got to go now. It, it is, because the public narrative even has shifted that way. Mm-hmm. Not that the narrative matters, but they were right. I, I wasn't fully seeing this as big of lopsided, and I, I know the game was tight for a while, but they were right. So lesson number one is that you look at the four losses of the Suns this postseason. Both were... To the LA teams, Lakers and Clippers both took two off of them. Obviously, they swept the Jazz. Lesson number one is CP3 was ineffective. You got to find a way to do that. Devin Booker outscored him in four of those, or in all four of those losses, eight and then three out of the four. He shot 35%, 15% from three, and almost had a turnover more in those losses than his entire postseason average. Now, I understand Chris Paul was hurt a little in that Lakers series, and that is the reason for these numbers. But the reality of it is, that injury limited Chris Paul and caused them to lose. Now, the Bucks don't have that injury crutch, but you have seen that if Chris Paul can be limited, the Suns will lose. Obviously, it didn't happen last night, but with a man like Drew Holiday, who is maybe top two, top three guard defender capable of doing so, you need to limit Chris Paul because they've shown. It, it, it is... They have shown these are not the four worst games of Chris Paul's postseason. They are three out of the four. The one loss he did have 22 points. But that... 
is a clear way to beat them, right? Mm-hmm. They've only lost four games. If we're taking this sample size, that is a clear way to beat them. And Drew Holiday needs to step up and be that defender he's capable of being. Cut the head off the snake. That's what you're talking about. Like, like, like attack it. Find a way, man. Find a way to cut the head off the snake and attack it at its best. But what you're asking, Kyle, like, know that what you're asking is much easier said than does a tall right, t- I, as a tall task you asking. There. We're in the finals. Uh, you want to win or you? you yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. There's nothing I'm going to ask is easy of you. And yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. Not that many people were, but. When Chris Ball started popping off last night, uh, like the roar of the crowd, even Mike Breen on the call, a lot of people, it seemed like were a little stunned or taken back by how how much of a Chris Paul game this was. I can't say I was too shocked. I was I was happy that I saw it, but that didn't surprise me. This was 16 years in the making, man. And what you saw for Chris Paul is when preparation meets opportunity. Like when, when he was 100% ready for this moment, did he have to do some in-game adjustments, kind of pick himself up in the second quarter? Absolutely. But this mm-hmm. moment wasn't too big. This playoff run wasn't too big. And when he realized that, oh, this game is on me to, to will my team, to, to get my team to the finish line, he knew exactly how, what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Like he was so ready for this. And when you have a dude that's that prepared for the moment, when he's, when he's that in rhythm, to knock him off his rhythm, to make him ineffective. I mean, it starts with not letting him see Brooke Lopez on the island. That's that's pretty much where it starts. <laughs> it starts but, with but it, it's, these it, soft switches. These soft switches. <laughs> but it's hard. It's very hard to do that. I'm, it is. I'm, it's it's going to be very interesting if the Bucks can do that. But I agree. That, that's probably lesson number one. It's just cut the head of the snake. Yeah, I bet that is lesson number one. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to lesson number two now go ahead. that you can learn from these four Suns losses. Putin Hoser, pay attention. <laughs> it is screw the three ball. Actually, no, lesson two is fuck the three ball. Fuck the three ball. Talk you know why? Him. Because the Lakers and the Clippers shot a combined 31% from three against the Suns. 31% is a horrible three-point percentage. I agree. Well, that's also coincidentally what the Bucks are shooting in these playoffs. Mm. The difference is, and we talked about it last week, and it showed last night, is they're forcing too many bad threes. It's exactly what we said last week. It is not their team identity. So the Glakers and the Clippers have shown it is not a needed tool to beat the Suns. The three ball is great. But if there's a team that doesn't need to shoot the three ball to win a game, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the Bucks, 100%. We said it against the Hawks. They were able to beat the Hawks. You don't need it. Stop forcing threes. They took a lot of bad ones last night. I know they had some, you know, threes at the end with Connaughton, just desperate threes. I get Mm. that. Whatever. The game was over. But there was a lot of threes. If if it wasn't Chris Middleton wide open, I don't want to see anyone else shooting it. I mean, P.J. Tucker in the corner, Drew Holiday on an open look. But that's about it. That's it. But yeah, I, I, this is this is the big one for me because this is something the Bucks can easily adjust, and they still haven't since that Hawks series. Like, and, and when you're, it, it's not that hard to know. Like, Giannis is your leader. What can you do? What can't you do? Well, you can't shoot the three, so stop trying. Stop playing. Yeah, start playing to your strengths. Stop. Stop trying yeah. to be something that you're not. I, I want to like every time a Bucks player takes a three, I want to do the Patrick Ewing lesson when he's in the huddle at Georgetown. Like, is that your shot? When when do you take that shot? Like like. Stop being you. And we talked about the height advantage that the Bucks have, and you can employ it here too. When you're when you're physically bigger than a team, you have to use that physicality to your advantage. And Jeff Van Gundy is big on this, and I agree with him. Every time, you know, Giannis takes a three, or Brooke Lopez takes a three, or Drew Holiday takes like a three off the dribble, you are now bailing the Suns out. You have just mm-hmm. bailed them out for that defense, even if it goes in. Even if it goes in, you have bailed them out for that defensive possession. And the law of averages say if you keep 
bailing the Suns out on defense, you're going to lose. And I can literally have the stat that says you're 31% from three in these playoffs. And you keep like, you got to just get back to your identity. And the three point is not the Bucks identity. It just hasn't yeah. been in these playoffs. And one thing I'll say last night is they did a decent job at this. Like they did do a decent job at this. Uh, Drew Holiday took some bad ones. Brooke Lopez took some bad ones, but still able to shoot three for five. It's the, like last night they were actually hitting a lot of threes, but there's still these ones that clean up. There's some shots that go up that like anytime Giannis shoots a three, and I think he actually made one. He last made night. one. He did make one last yeah. night. But just don't like, don't shoot a three. Like Ben Simmons doesn't shoot a three. He gets a lot of shit for it. I, I like that you try. I like that Russell Westbrook tries, but there's some moments where you just you shouldn't. And, and, Actually, and I don't like that Russell Westbrook tries because like Russell Westbrook will take eight. Russell Westbrook will take eight threes a night. I like that Giannis tries in the regular season, uh, but, yeah. but, but but now it's it's do what you, now it's do what you're good at. Like we were in the finals. It's not time for for experiments nowadays. So like now it's like it's got, so ugly when it goes in. Like, like you're open. You're open for a reason, man. Like if that's look, if the Bucks beat the Suns by shooting a clip from three they were just supposed to win the finals like i'll just say it straight up like that's if that's how they win that they were just supposed to win the they, finals. they will the game they win if, if it's only one they'll win a game in these finals i don't think it's going to be a sweep mm-hmm. the bucks are going to shoot well from three right that's and, what they they that'll be the anomaly game that'll be the anomaly game they're capable of doing so and they've actually been a pretty good regular season three shooting team but History has shown in the recent past that this is not their identity, and it's clear it shouldn't be when Giannis is your superstar. And and remember, everyone who's listening, everyone's watching. Remember, we're looking at this series from a macro level now. We're not looking at a game to be, a game to game basis. So mm-hmm. at a macro level, at, at, a, at a bird's eye view of this series, we shouldn't look back and be like, man, the Bucks chucked up thirty to forty threes a game. Like that's not what we should look at as, as an identity. Yeah, you can take threes. We're not telling you to. to Pass up an open three or never shoot of a course. three. You got to be of able course. to stretch the defense and and, and create the some thing spacing. Is, take them in the offense. Yes, that's what the good teams game. do. Within the flow of the yeah. game, you got more lessons for them, man, because they need some. We got one more lesson Go when ahead. you look at these games. It's that the big men must eat, and mm. I know the Bucks aren't huge on big men, but we've seen some good Brook Lopez's game. And to be honest, Giannis Antetokounmpo plays like a big man a lot of the time. They could learn a lot. (laughs) They could learn a lot. The two losses against the Lakers were AD's two best games of the postseason, 34 points and 34 points. And their two losses against the Clippers were the only games where the Clippers got big man production. You remember the, the Clippers went small in that series. Well, the two games that they won where we saw Zubach go for 15 and 16 in the game that Boogie Cousins went for 15 off the bench. And you could say, hey, 15 points, who cares, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, it was Zubach and DeMarcus Cousins, way out of character and super productive big man minutes from the Clippers, uh, for the Clippers, I should say. So that is one thing that you could learn, and it makes sense. Aiton can be beat on defense. He's not... He's not, you know, who we think Rudy Gobert is. Ah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like he is, uh, he's and and he's the only real big man. Jay mm-hmm. Crowder is Jay Crowder playing the four? Or is Jay Crowder, Jay does, Crowder plays. It the doesn't four matter. To start right. It's all. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't two matter. Two through Same four thing. in the starting line for the Suns is all interchangeable, basically. But so, yeah. yeah, and this kind of ties in with the three ball thing. You need to get some productive big man minutes, and that is what I think we lacked last night. One hundred percent. And. If you look at, you want to talk about like an out of character game. What I think the most exciting game for the Milwaukee Bucks was this postseason was the closeout game against the Atlanta Hawks. When what? Brooke Lopez goes for 32 and Bobby Portis goes for what? 25 or something like that. Like, and I get that that's a little out of character. I don't expect that from Brooke Lopez. 
but take that microcosm of let the big man eat. Like he he needs to see the ball in the post. Giannis needs to see the ball in the post. It's and, I think it's Giannis. And there were many the, the the first one that sticks out on my mind. Early second quarter, Giannis catches this on the baseline, left side, and puts a shoulder into Jay Crowder, puts another one into Jay Crowder, and then throws one down on him. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, being my best friend Christian, are watching this game, and we're looking at this saying. If he wants to, he can do that every single time. Literally, he can mm-hmm. do that every single time down the floor. And there's not a thing we can do to stop it. It's just whether the ball goes in or not. And yep. you see that. And it's kind of like Embiid when we watch the Sixers. When we watch Embiid do it, we're like, bro, like, like I don't understand. Every time, every time down the floor, you can do You're that. You're on the three line. And but he's on the three line. he's on the three line. And, and then, so every, Which like, I don't hate, by the way. Giannis does, Giannis does that. And then a couple possessions later, he comes down and catches the ball at the three-point line. And I'm sitting there saying, thank God. Like, thank God he has the ball out there. Because when he has the ball on the block, we have one man maybe who can stop him. But if we put DeAndre Ayton on him, now Brooks open. Now Bobby Portis is open. Now another. And the Bucs run two big men lineups. They love doing it. So now someone else is open. And if I'm Giannis, that's where the mismatch lies. I'm I'm bigger and I'm more physical and I'm stronger than anybody else on the floor. Giannis is the biggest physical specimen in this finals. He's got to start using it. He's got to start and, thinking of himself as a big man instead of a, a, and, a, a big guard. And this was their flaw last night. Mm-hmm. Everything you said, and it can get wrapped up into this. Giannis had 11 field goal attempts yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we some, someone could say he's injured. But I thought he looked great, super healthy. He did take, you know, he probably didn't play as many minutes as we'll see. He played 35. Right, I'll right. See, I, I think we'll expect to see Giannis more around the 40 range going forward. They did say he was going to be on a little minutes restriction. Yeah. And for Giannis, that is a little minutes restriction. But Giannis can't, he took the fourth most shots on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Can't happen. Two time, two time MVP, Giannis, not that Kubo. Best player on the team. Some call him the best international player in the league. Mm-hmm. Arguable with Luka Doncic. We know who you are, Giannis. You can't take the fourth most shots on your team in the NBA Finals game. And, and I, I get it. Game one on the road. You know, you're allowed to lose this game. But what you're not allowed to do is play, is not shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to lose, it should be on you mm-hmm. and not on what you didn't do. I mean, I, I had an issue with that. But everything you said is right. I want to see Giannis back to the basket. He's way more than capable of doing so. He, he, I think he actually, you know, goes for the drive a little too much. Mm-hmm. He is obviously great off the drive, but if DeAndre Ayton's the only one that can stop you down there, why aren't you going back to the basket more? Every, every single time. And yeah. it's it's something that I also say when we watch, I know a lot of this we kind of liken uh, to Embiid on the Sixers, but like when, when it comes down to Giannis and just, just I don't mean to, to repeat myself, but when it just comes down to Giannis being such a physical specimen on the floor, like, if I'm Giannis, why would I not? Why would I not want to highlight that part of my game? Well, like, why would I not want to? And from the standpoint of Embiid too, when he went out there with a torn meniscus, and, and Embiid gave y'all a, a great series with everything, you know, taking yep. everything into consideration. And I and I get that Giannis is going out there after a horrific injury, and and, and I can't imagine he's 100. I, I just can't. He looked good, but I we watched his knee. Yeah, he's a freak though. He's I get it. I get it. But when your knee looks like the DreamWorks moon, it just you just can't come back 100% healthy. But if yeah. you're going to, if you're going to come back, if you're going to play, if you're going to start, I now have the privilege of holding you as the best player on the floor. Like you, you have yeah. given me that. And, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking to my cousin last night on Facetime at halftime. 
And he's, he told me exactly that. He said, yo, big dog, if you're going to take the floor, you're now Giannis. You're not anything less. So if you can't give me Giannis or you're not comfortable with me holding you to the two-time MVP and defensive player of the year, do not take the floor. It is the finals. If you take the floor hurt in a regular season game, I give you some slack. Yeah, he's 70%, so we get some. Mm -mm. If you're going to take the floor in the finals game, I'm holding you to Giannis. And if you don't give me that, I don't care if you're a little bit injured. I'm holding you to that. You yeah, cannot. Not, you cannot. The fact that you showed me that stat, he took the fourth most field goal attempts on the team. Like, yeah. I can't imagine who's. I know Chris Middleton's probably one. I can't imagine who's two or three. Like, if, if, if you're behind. Holiday and Lopez. Yeah, if yeah. you're behind Brooke Lopez for field goal attempts, something went drastically wrong. That's what I was hoping it wasn't. Like, that's, something went very, very wrong. If Brooke Lopez is attempting more, he's not going to score more than you. So if he's attempting more than you, that that's the problem. I got to be able to hold you to being Giannis. If not, take the load off, man. Then, then, then sit out until I until you can, and sit out until you're ready to be held to Giannis stats. Because 20, 20 points on on what eleven field goal attempts. Yeah, that's just that's a bunch of free throws, but yeah, that's not going to cut it. And I totally agree with you. I'm mm. going to take the floor. I'm going to hold you those standards. And I don't, like, as I've said twice already, I really don't think he's that hurt. I'm not going to lie. Like, really? obviously, something could be. I don't think so, man. He came out, as I said, the second he stepped on the court, he looked like the most athletic player right. in the whole game flying, again. That's flying what he already. does. You saw the block. You saw him bodying Aiden on that one play. You saw a bunch. Saw you him. saw him do his, his normal, you know, two dribble. I'm going to sprint right into yeah. you, give you my shoulder. Tween, tween, fullback dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I honestly, it. I don't think he's that hurt. He looked great. He, he did. At least in that first half. The only, he might have had something in the second half. He might have tightened up at halftime. Yeah. The only time I saw him a little gimpy was after the block on, on Mikel. He really extended. He landed on that left leg and, and the camera is showing him kind of wincing a little bit at halftime, but it looked like when it loosened up again, he was good to go. Um, yep. But but I I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine. We all saw it. Like, I just can't imagine. He missed only two games off of that. He's crazy. I he, thought the hey, man, man, yo. Some of these athletes, man, you never know. I thought the man's season was done. Wouldn't have been surprised if they told me the ACL was torn and the career was done. Oh, yeah. That was whatever. You know what thought, I mean? Right? But he came back two days later, so I got to hold something out. Before we move on and wrap a bow on this whole thing, I got to say this thing before we move out. Giannis's block was great. It was athletic as hell. It was a chase down. If I see one more person compare this to bronze block in 2016, game seven of the finals, I'm going to lose my fucking mind because <laughs> like, do not compare the magnitude of the moment to game one in the second quarter to a minute left in game seven of the it's finals. The moment. It's the yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do not, the blocks might've been similar. They came from the same corner. They were, what, they were. They, 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 whatever, that's fine. They both smeared it off the glass. <laughs> It was, it just was, it was not the same one. Kel didn't give the ball up. Kel took it. It's easier to track someone going coast to coast than it is when it goes Iguodala to Curry back to Iguodala, Iguodala. Then you got to time it off the glass. When Kel takes it coast to coast himself and you saw he did the, the two, uh, the two big jab steps, the Euro steps to get around someone and then lay it up. That's easier to time. Just, I couldn't, I, I can't do it. I can't sit here and watch the comparisons to bronze block because to me, the only thing that's similar is that they both started from the left corner and finished on the right side of the basket. It's really, yeah. really the only comparison. When you put it aside, but it was cool. It was cool, Giannis, seeing him like four steps to the block. 
but that's what he does he he gets a couple clips like that all the time how he just has long ass legs but no it was a good block we can leave it at that right it was it was a good, a good block. block i'm gonna give him all a prop right. for the block but that, that's real quick real quick guys we didn't talk about gotta give some shout outs one pat Connaughton. they lost played great hit some big shots two campaign cp 15 cp 15 played great we talked about cam johnson and three the Suns free throw shooting was insane. They shot 25 for 26. Shout out Jay Crowder for missing one. You only shot two, buddy. Booker went 10 for 10. Mm-hmm. You can't miss one, Jay Crowder. You can't, can't miss one, Jay. 25 for 26 on the line. That's exactly what you need in an NBA Finals game. Absolutely. Cannot talk about your your former Pitt Panther turned uh, um, North Carolina Man. Tar Heel. He's a Camp Pitt Johnson. Panther. He doesn't. I don't count his NC years. He graduated from Pitt. You yeah, in three in three years too. He graduated early yeah. from Pitt. Not easy school to graduate yeah. from. So so man's got it up now, here. No, I'll give it to you. Going to NC, you know, made you a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was it? Wasn't going to happen in Pittsburgh. Wait, wasn't gonna happen. But 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 y'all <laughs> built him. But y'all but y'all built yeah, him. Yeah. Y'all y'all we, we got him. Moon built. Township too. Moon Township's thirty minutes away from the city. There you go. Built pit tough. Built pit tough. Now, yes, Cam sir. Johnson played a great game. I got to get him on. Get on him one time. First, his first shot when he checked into the game was a, was an out of rhythm turnaround jump shot from the baseline. And I was, hey, Cam, that's not you. Like I. 20, 12 seconds left in the shot clock. That's the only time where I was like, Cam, let's not get out of character now. We're in the finals. Now is not time to get out of character. But he reined yeah. it back in, had a, had a great game, and we've been able to rely on Cam Johnson off the bench literally all playoffs. So yes, I, I want to continue that. All right. Well, that is our cap on today and going forward for mm-hmm. the NBA finals. We'll talk to you next week on it, but we're going to go into the countdown. James, you're going to take 5-3-2 or 5-3-1? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Um, this, by the way, this is my first time. I'm gonna be actually like on the in countdown. the countdown. Yeah. It's not that easy, man. It's not that easy to to, to read it as if it after, as if we just remember it all this. So, <laughs> so you won't get your first taste. All right. Well, you'll start then. Number five. Number five is the number of teams Chris Paul was on before reaching the NBA Finals. That's the Hornets, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Thunder, and now the Suns. We talk about preparation meeting opportunity 16 years in the making if y'all talking about me talking about chris paul you might want to tune into a different podcast because that's <laughs> that's just where it is but it's just a, a journeyman and we talked about how every team he's been on uh, has a better rating percentage than the year before the sun yeah, he left his, the he left his impact on all those teams 100%. maybe not houston as much that was a little weird everything it's there, funny but, but the impact on houston, houston the impact on houston might be felt when he was gone when, when he got yeah. hurt then those playoffs don't got to relive the bad times but oh yeah that's, that was, that's his impact all right kyle go ahead number four this is the number that Skylar Diggins wears. She's the first WNBA player to reach 3,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 200 steals. And talking about your man, Chris Paul, she also plays in Phoenix as two point gods in Phoenix. You know, Sky Diggs, she's doing her thing. Shout out Skylar Diggins, Diana Tarazi down there, at the Brittany Griner down there at the Mercury as well. Look, Phoenix has the best backcourts in basketball. Are they all three in, in, on the Mercury? All three of them on the Mercury. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the Mercury and the Storm right now. The w- Someone might have to fact check I don't watch. This is the, I don't watch the WNBA, but when I know three players on, on one, one team? WNBA team, that's saying something. Yeah, I'm going to take them this year. T- <laughs> I might have to put the bet down. I might have to put the bet down. All right. Hit us with number three. The number of Antetokounmpo brothers to reach the NBA Finals. Now, the youngest Alex Antetokounmpo is now the only one to not reach the NBA Finals. And good for Giannis and, and Tanisis because 
the only the only one to reach it was Costas uh, from yeah. the Lakers. He won a chip and didn't even play a minute in the playoffs. And I know that's tough because when you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you go back home, and, and, and Costas gets to put the ring on the table in front of Giannis, oh, yeah. who's a two-time MVP. You know he's petty player, about he's it. salty about it. So so good for good for Giannis and Tanisis for actually getting to the finals. And Alex isn't even in the NBA. No, so. I believe he, he just graduated high school last year. Yeah, he's young. He's I mean, I don't know if he'll make the NBA. Right. His brothers seem to find a way, but shit. Mm-hmm. Good family. Might, might. All right, go ahead to number two. This is the players this century to have 15 points and 15 rebounds in their NBA Finals debut. And that was Giannis and DeAndre Hayden last night. Mm-hmm. The last one to do it was Tim Duncan in 1999. I thought it was funny how they showed this stat on ESPN's broadcast. Like, as DeAndre Ayton was the first one to do it. And then you look at the stats, and Giannis is literally doing the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. And I was like, is this not Giannis's first finals yeah, game? Yeah, I guess. And they, they, just, they just needed a moment to, to put the graphic on TV, and yeah. DA happened to be at the foul line. So like, Impressive, though. Been... Just thinking about all, I mean, first of all, it's the finals. All, I mean, everyone, first of all, everyone has their first time in the finals. Mm-hmm. And second of all, any good big man that had their first, I mean, Dwight Howard had his first time this century. He didn't do it. I'm sure I didn't even look at the names. If I looked up the teams, like I'm sure I could pull like seven or eight guys. I mean, yeah, that there's like done it. there's like Anthony yeah. Davis. There's there's a bunch of big men who didn't who didn't do this in their finals debut. Yeah, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, number one, the number of players in AL history to reach 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases in the team's first 81 games. That's Shohei Otani. We've been talking about Different. basketball a lot. We had to get the baseball in here because Stephen A. Smith said this last night it's the it's the first big take he's had in a long time that wasn't so far out of left field and he said Shohei Otani might be the sport's biggest spectacle since Babe Ruth and if you think about it yeah I've been seeing that all day but but when you think about it the like in con in concept in theory he might be right because we haven't seen a player since Babe Ruth who can take the mound and then take the field maybe better than anybody on his team Shoyo, at that level. At, yeah. that, at that level. Shohei Otani is the best. Now, right now, I know Mike Trout might be the best overall player on the Angels. Right now, Shohei Otani is the best hitter. He's the best base runner. He's the best pitcher. He's the best. Like, he, he is all around the best player on the Angels. And, by the way, he made the All-Star game as both a position player and a pitcher. Yeah, that's like, insane different. to me. Like a um, modern era. He's really fun to watch. I, I'm, like, not. I'm still not too high on his pitching. Like, but when you look at his stats, he's like, he is good. He's, he's just not like he doesn't go amazing. Deep. No, he doesn't go, and they don't let him. The pitch thing is, past like, like, he's such a good inning. hitter. Mm-hmm. He's such a good hitter, and then like, but not, like, still super impressive in right. the hole. And, it's just and, like people, to me, people think he's like some like Cy Young winning pitcher, which no, he's, he's not, not. But he is really good. But it's just yeah. mad impressive that he's a position super player impressive. who who can do this. Super and impressive. they also don't let him pitch past like the fifth or sixth inning in any of his outings. Like they they mm-hmm. have to conserve somewhere because he's a position player um you don't want to throw his arm out but it's just mad impressive what he's doing all the way around for sure and we got number zero today i'll pick it up that is the number of players in the finals this year who have won a championship i believe correct me if i'm wrong jay crowder is the only one who's ever even played in the finals game that was and that was last year with the heat right yep yeah so so hey a lot of new rings going around look look and and that's a lot of people are saying this and i agree with it it's good for the game like we, we've yeah. we've spent so much time, and I love the man, but we've spent so much time seeing the same face in the finals, and that's LeBron. If it wasn't him, it was the Warriors. And we literally, for like 10, 11 straight years, only saw LeBron or the Warriors in the finals. Yeah. And now it's good to see just complete parody. A brand new regime, get some new rings out there. And then next year when the Lakers get healthy, LeBron will come back. And then, you know, yeah. we're, we're back well, to normal. Well, yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, I'm not doing this right now, Kyle. We'll, we'll, see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. As always, we can get some shots about the buzzer. Kyle, go ahead. No one else here, man. We just got to say the buzzer. Yes, sir. Um, so, obviously, I had the surgery, so I've been home, not working, not cleared for work. We'll see when that happens. So I've been watching the Phillies a lot lately. I've oh, sorry. Pretty much watched every game. But, no, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make the call. The Phillies are back. They're back. Oh, the Phillies are Dude, they're back. The bullpen still sucks, but they're Terrible. hitting the crap the out of the ball right now. Like better than I've seen them do all year. McCutcheon's mm. playing amazing. Segura's playing amazing. Harper, Hoskins, Reese Real Muto's. Reese is hot again. That's big. Reese is hot. Reese is Real Muto's finding it again. If Odubel comes around and he had a home run two nights ago, they sat him yesterday, which was stupid. Joe mm. Girardi's like, he needs a reset. And I was like, oh, he just hit a three run home run last night. Let's yeah. give him a reset. Makes sense, but. Yeah, they're back. They're hitting they're the back. crap out of the ball. Noel is not pitching great, but mm. all around, this team is playing way better than we've seen them in recent. And I think we're only like three and a half games back of the Mets. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. Let's make a move. The NL- this is not by any chance a World Series winning team. But well, if you make something. the playoffs, he who knows something. what happens? We can do something. Yeah. Do something. Look, this is the NL East is the Eastern Conference in basketball every year where like you can, you can lose one day and go from two to five. You can win yeah. and go from five to one. Like yeah. I watch, I, I I peeped the standings of the NL East beginning of last week before I went to the Phillies game. We were in second place, three games out. We lose two of the next three games. Now all of a sudden we're down in fourth with with looking right at the Braves and the Marlins down there. That we now sweep, we're in second. We sweep the Padres. We're looking to sweep the Cubbies tonight. And we're, and we're we're right back on the Mets. They lost. Nah, they was, they lost the last game to the Padres. Lost the last game but, to the Padres. Yeah. But but two out of three was and the two were very impressive. Two out of three. Yeah. Very impressive. That was that was when my surgery like started. So I've caught the Padres series and the Cubs, and we're four and one since I started watching. They're playing every single day until Sunday. This is really a, like a defining part this of their series. Big stretch, and this is normally when it all goes downhill right before the All Star break. So just don't, just don't do well, that. Dude, we got the Red Sox next. They're horrible too. <sighs> Red Sox are kind of hot though. But if this is our good luck charm, Kyle, I might have to come over there and like take a bat to your other to your other labrum. Like, <laughs> yeah. if, if that's, that's, well, hold up, this is a four month recovery. Uh, but hey, now, hey, hey, you gotta take one for the team, man. Like if if, the, if this means the Phillies get to the playoffs, you gotta never take, go back to work. You gotta say, hey, uh, you know, we, we we might have to talk about something for the Y to get you some guaranteed money <laughs> to be on IL because we need this, man. We need this. Um, what I have to say at the buzzer is obviously you guys have heard a lot about the Shakari Richardson news and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much, but I would be very remiss if I didn't put my two cents on it. So that's what I'm here to do. Um, I think the narrative of what's going on is very false and is, is um, inaccurate is in the wrong light. Do I think that the rule is stupid and outdated to still test for weed? Obviously. Like, I, I think that should be mended, yep. but I think that's where the conversation should be. I don't think the conversation should be let her run, excuse the rule for her because, you know, she's the best sprinter that we have on the U.S. track team. I agree. And she, real, real quick, mm-hmm. Go ahead. she admits that, like, she knew she messed up, fully. that she broke the rule. Fully, yeah. fully. So, yeah. and I think what we do is we, we, we don't highlight the the correct error when we're talking about just let her run they should just let her run it's a stupid rule the conversation should be now how do we mend that rule how do we fix that rule so that going forward something that's legal in like 60 percent of the country is not illegal what we also have to remember is that this is not just the u.s track championships this is a a global festivity that happens once every four years weed is very acceptable in the u.s now 
not in the rest of the world. We have every, damn near every country to, to take into consideration here when you're talking about the Olympic Committee. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not unfathomable that you still get a drug test, even if it's just for THC. It's not acceptable. It's not legal in every other country that you're competing against. And just like you said, Kyle, Shakari knew what she was doing when she was doing it. She said that verbatim. She said, I, I yeah. knew the rule was there when I made the choice. And yeah, that's why I agree with you with the narrative. You know what I mean? You're talking about, yeah. So, so I, that's, that's really all. I don't want to go too long about it. But that's all I really wanted to say is for everyone who wants to have the, the conversation about Shakari Richardson, let's have the right conversation. Let's have the realistic conversation and something that we can actually change. Because you can scream and shout at the U.S. track, you know, the U.S. track team all you want. But she got suspended. They weren't going to bring her to the Olympics. And if they did bring her on the 4 by one team, that means taking somebody off who passed the drug test, who qualified for the time, and who earned it just because you want Shikari to go. She is t- yeah. She's 21. And she yeah. doesn't have to wait four more years. She's going to get three years this time because we're running the Olympics on an off year. So she's going to go when she's 24. True. Then she's going to go when she's 29. Then she's going to go when she's 33. She got time. She will get there. Remember when Michael Phelps caught a 90-day? What happened when Michael Phelps came back off his weed suspension? He gave everybody work. Gold, gold, 18 gold, of them bitches. Gold, 18 gold, of them bitches. Gold. He gave everybody work. So that it's she will be fine. She learned a lesson. Sometimes you got to learn it the hard way. And yep. I can't speak for everybody out there, but I'll be a little candid with all my viewers now. I've been in a situation where I'm going to get a drug test and hey, maybe I indulged in, 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 you know, in a blunt or two a couple of days before. You know when you're peeing in that cup if you're fit to fail this drug test or not. Like you, <laughs> you know when you're like, man, I got to start getting my story together because there's no way this joint is coming back clean. That's, and I just know that's where she was. That's why she was so prepared to, to make this statement because she knew when she handed that cup back, man, this is going to go downhill for me very quickly. But... Uh, it was a great, another great episode of Straight Facts, man. Kyle, me, you held it down today, man. We had two man to. show. Two man like show. I know. I've never done one. Hey, yeah. hey, we don't have too many more of these episodes left, man. Season one is coming to an end as we get to the end of the NBA Finals. So hopefully, we get Jake and Matt back next week to wrap a bow on this whole thing. And hopefully, by the next time y'all hear us, me and Chris Ball are hoping up hosting the, the Larry O'Brien Trophy. <laughs> but for Jake Gowling, Stat Matt Robinson out there doing their thing, and for my guy right here, Kyle Sirik. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.